Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. He's back, ladies and gentlemen. He's back and in the flesh. And if you are one of our Patreon supporters, also in the flesh, although that is entirely at your discretion, this is your extended ad-free version of the show. And thank you to patrons, including David Morris, our most recent patron, supporting us directly and for just the coffee price or price of coffee or maybe a couple uh, per month. You can join people like David and get access to our full-length ad-free show, listen to us live, chat with us as we record live, and get our Patreon exclusive show, Extra Message. Go to patreon.com forward slash UK Tech to find out more. And speaking of Extra Message, this is going to tie in slightly, Ian, yeah. to a little preamble I wanted to talk about as to why I'm able to even speak to you at all right now. But yes. first, but first, just want to check, how was your holiday? Oh, it was great. Very nice indeed. Nice to be away. Nice to not have to sit at the desk all day and... Get some rest. Yes, it was very nice. Very, very resting. Oh, good. I'm very glad. Well, we did, we did miss you. Uh, oh, I'm, last, that's very kind of you. Last week. But we uh, we had Andy on. Um, yes. Always a good contributor to this show, Andy. He was, he was, he was, a, he was good value. Um, has he got his broadband installed yet? Well, he has. And clearly someone, has, one of my co-hosts, hasn't listened to last week's episode. No, I up. haven't. I must admit. That's okay, mate. You were on holiday. Um, <laughs> but but Andy and I did talk about broadband because he just had hyperoptic installed, and we've had GigaClear uh, laid into the uh, into the ground here, fiber to the premises, uh, not had it activated. And I was talking last week about well, maybe we should um, we should switch from Virgin Media to GigaClear because their upload speeds are you know basically a gigabit yeah. up and gigabit down. Anyway, I, I sort of thought mm, I ummed and ahed and waited, and then. On Thursday, Virgin Media decided to go down. And when I mean go down, I don't mean like it does on occasion for an hour or two and it's not the end of the world. I mean it's still not back up at the time of recording on Sunday what? afternoon. It's been four days. And it's not just our house. It's not You're even just... You're kidding me. No, it's not even just our postcode. But there are reports from miles around of people's broadband being out in fact if you call virgin media the first thing that comes up as the automated response is if you're calling about the fault and i assume that that's capital t capital f um they prompt you about it um i'm beginning email alerts every few hours and every single few hours it's we expect this to be completed by 6 p.m and then 6 p.m comes on on and it's we expect this to be fixed by 10 p.m and then 10 p.m comes along and it says we now expect this to be fixed by 9 a.m the next day and that's just gone on and on for several that's nuts i mean i've had some problems with virgin in the past with it being down for extended periods but that is unprecedented this is really bad and you know it wouldn't be as awful if you know kate and i weren't working from home and both heavily rely on the internet i mean most people who are working from home heavily rely on the internet but when you when you're working with 
uh, as Kate does as a graphic designer and uploading large design files for manufacturing, or I'm working in video and uploading large video files or podcasts and things like that, you know, it's even harder to rely on just tethering to uh, to a phone on 4G. Yeah, now, I mean, it it's only goes so far, doesn't it? It it does. Now, that raises the topic I wanted to run by you because we did an extra message where I explained why, if you were to look at my house, you would see a camera tripod on the roof uh-huh. with a phone strapped to the very no top. No way. Yes way. Have you got a photograph of this? I posted a photo on uh on the post for uh that episode of extra message that's ah. patreon.com forward slash uk tech i i think anyone who sees that can probably see the picture um but um Let me but if not look. if if not if you're listening to this and you want to see that just go to uktechshow.com find the episode for this uh ep- this episode of text message and i'll i'll post the photo uh there maybe someone in our live chat can dig it up and just save it i don't have it on in front of me unfortunately but uh, feel free to save the jpeg and just post into the discord um but basically um i found that um although we do have 5g in this area it's really difficult to get 5g with um a really good downstream and upstream if you're in the house because obviously 5g is not brilliant at penetrating bricks it can do it but not super well and certainly not super well for two people who work in media to um to reliably be uploading and downloading things, let alone also streaming media in the evenings or playing Xbox or whatever. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So <clears throat> it turns out I am ah. a bit of it, a bit of a genius, and you'll see the photo there in Discord. Thank you uh, for, for posting that. And again, that'll be on the the show notes if you want to go and have a a glance. It was originally in the garden, but it just wasn't quite performing. So I got out a ladder and climbed onto the roof and mounted it on the roof instead, and then hardwired it with a USB cable and then a 10 meter 30 foot usb extension cable into the house and into my uh into my mac the main mac in the office here and then i turned off the wi-fi on the mac and plugged an ethernet cable into the back of the mac wired that ethernet cable into the main uh router slot on my airport express uh, sorry airport extreme which is you know kind of like an extender for the router and then i configured the software in the airport extreme to take in a signal and broadcast out a new network and to forward all the ports as best as is possible because they don't support UPMP, unfortunately. But basically forward it, um, and it worked. And so what we've actually ended up with is a very, very, very good 5G connection coming into the house via a... Uh, via a computer into a repeater that broadcasts a five gigahertz Wi-Fi network. What, and so, what phone have you strapped to the roof? That is an iPhone 12 Pro Max, my personal <laughs> phone. So I haven't touched my phone now for two days, but it doesn't because really matter. Because it's on the roof. <laughs> because it's on That's the roof. But, but because everything syncs and everything forwards. If I get an incoming yeah. call, it comes through to my iPad or it comes through to my watch or to my computer. Um, and And so that's that's been fine and and it's waterproof so if it and it's a shower and i checked with the cable and the cable is sealed enough to you know withstand i wouldn't keep it up there in a storm for example but uh and we did have some light drizzle and it was okay and it's 5g and it's unlimited usage i mean i'm always a little bit worried that i will get uh, a warning for breaching some fair use policy i'm unaware of but at least at the time of writing well if you're, you're it's, uh, 
three tend to be a bit prescriptive about how much tethering you can do, but I think don't think EE is. I can't imagine it. And, you know, we're getting speeds down about 400 megabits per second down. We're still only getting about 50 up. But well, that's perfectly serviceable compared to Virgin. Exactly. Especially Virgin that's not working. Perfectly serviceable. Um, and so obviously, ob- I mean, obviously, I am something of a genius and, and there should be an award, an award in some form for if this. You say so. But it's the only way I've been able to get around this. And so... With the with the one-two punch of GigaClear installing in our area and offering this brilliant service that's super fast and actually cheaper yeah. than Virgin, and on the other hand, Virgin going down for four solid days and still no uh, response. Uh, this morning, I called up Virgin and cancelled. Brilliant. I mean, that's the way to handle it. What did they say? I said to the lady on the phone, I was like, "I'll be honest. It's not that I'm not leaving because the service is down. I was just on the fence, and the service being down." just tipped me over um yeah but i mean not being able to fix a problem like that in four days and doing what virgin does best which is not communicating effectively about what the problem is and how they're planning to fix it yeah is you know that's a big problem and and i know this is what i've what every any time i've had a problem with virgin this has been exactly the same thing it's not so much that it's a bad company but it's the customer service bit of it isn't effective and and they aren't they aren't empowered and a lot of them don't know what they can and can't do and you know the information is is disgraceful um and it relies heavily on you being bounced around internally until you can speak to someone who knows what they're talking about but this is remarkable and so how long do you is it going to take to get the GigaClear installed they said three weeks and i had to give 30 days notice to virgin so it'll, right. it'll it'll tie over quite well yeah that'll be fine i mean you've obviously got a serviceable 5g solution in the meantime haven't you i mean i'm hoping i don't have to leave this up there for the next four weeks that would that would be unoptimal i would say because at some point you're going to need to leave the house and you're probably going to need to take your phone with you i mean even then you know the the having it on the on the watch and on the ipad is is pretty decent but anyway that happened so it it is via that that our live listeners are hearing me now well, it's very good. It's very clear. It works very well. Um, and yeah. it's clearly got you out of a situation because how would we do this podcast if it wasn't for your roof-mounted phone? Yeah, this is the thing people don't think about when internet goes down. You're all busy how- thinking, <laughs> oh, how do I look up health information? How do I live stream this event? None of that is as important as doing a podcast or downloading a podcast. Indeed. So anyway, if you want to hear the full story behind all that, uh, that's out on Extra Message for our uh, patrons. Go and uh, check that out if you would like. Let's jump into uh, some news. The BBC wrote this week that the UK's new information commissioner, a chap called John Edwards, uh, who's currently actually in the same role, I think, in, in New Zealand, uh, has been charged with the post-Brexit shakeup of data rules, uh, which apparently will include getting rid of cookie pop-ups, at least in Mm. Britain. His predecessor, who is still in the role, the uh, Commissioner Elizabeth Denham, said that Mr. Edwards would, quote, take on a role that has never been more important or more relevant to people's lives. True, I'd argue it's been pretty important and relevant during her tenure. But nonetheless... Uh, she speaks the truth. Uh, separately, in um, uh, an interview with The Telegraph, the uh, Oliver Dowden, who's our uh, 
he's our digital secretary, said mm. the plans included getting rid of these endless, his quote, cookie pop-ups, uh, which are common on most large sites, and we all know what they, they do. Now, at the time, they were marketed as a tool for complying with the GDPR, the EU's data laws, um, although th- this practice technically does predate GDPR coming into, into force. Um, and uh, uh, he said, this is... Um, uh, Dowden, I believe that the that high risk sites will still need similar notices. I would assume this is like banks, maybe e-commerce or things, but many of them, he said, were were pointless. Uh, in the official announcement, anyway, according to a BBC write-up, the government said it was going to prioritise making new data adequacy partnerships that would allow it to send people's personal data internationally. That's to all the usual places you would expect, um, and data adequacy in this sense means that there is an agreement in place that protects people uh, in a similar way between two countries or territories. So, you know, if if we want to be able to process European users' data, then the European, uh, then Europe needs to be happy that we are behaving ourselves with its data as well as it behaves with our data. And that's, you know, it's been a bit of a sticking point in Brexit negotiations, as we will have all remembered. But what I think is particularly interesting about this, other than that we might finally uh, be staring down the barrel of cookie pop-ups being a thing of the past in Britain, is I'm I'm just very interested to see how Edwards is going to tackle the likes of Facebook because he had some pretty strong uh, views, some pretty strong words as well um, about Facebook in particular, which after the massacre in uh, Christchurch, the shootings at the mosque in 2019, he described, and this is a quote, in fact, Newsweek had this story, I should read the, the whole quote. This is the whole quote from Newsweek that he said at the time, quote, Facebook cannot be trusted. They are morally bankrupt pathological liars who enable genocide, facilitate foreign undermining of democratic institutions. They allow the live streaming of suicides, rapes and murders, continue to host and publish the mosque attack video, allow advertisers to target, quote, Jew haters and other hateful market segments and refuse to accept any responsibility for Uh, any content or harm. What a quote. I mean, I wish more quotes were like that. Responding to Edwards, Facebook said in a statement at the time, it was, quote, deeply committed to strengthening our policies, improving our technology and working with experts to keep Facebook safe. That's what Facebook said at the time. But by the by, no matter what you think of Facebook, that's what he said. And (laughs) he is going to be in charge of data privacy uh, policies and so forth for the UK once he takes over from Elizabeth Denham, um, who's had an interesting and I think broadly quite successful role uh, in that position. So Completely that's what's happening. With him. That's fantastic. I mean, I, I <clears throat> the, to start with the cookie thing, mm. that's ridiculous. Like that, that's not part of GDPR anyway. As you said, it predates it. It's um, a completely separate set of rules. And um, moving away from GDPR is probably a mistake, um, unless we can guarantee the European Union that we're going to be uh, better and but still accept GDPR as good enough. I, I, I don't think we're moving away from GDPR. I still think we'll be complying by GDPR. It's more well, they, that... They want, to, they want to do their own thing, don't they? They want to have a British... British laws, British laws. Yes, um, but it has and, to be considered adequate, yes. i.e. Uh, to the same level as GDPR, similar but, to how the United States has done for, for many things. It's sort of taken GDPR as a global uh, baseline above which uh, priorities should be 
position not but that being the case what's the point of spending time and money rewriting a law that already sufficiently covers it i mean i'm sure there are things you can improve about gdpr um but i think i worry that having the, the concern amongst people who are you know in related industries is that changing from gdpr will cause problems between the uk and europe which um will mean that there'll be extra red tape not less red tape now we've seen that already with many different brexit things that i'm not qualified to speak about but we you can see experts talking about how you know allegedly getting rid of red tape actually leads to far more red tape uh, and that and that's problematic um you, you know I'm, I'm i don't mind if they want to call it something else to make it look like they've done something that doesn't bother me but what i am very concerned about is that we end up in a situation where this is actually a way for the British government to attract tech companies here and therefore go easy on them from a data protection perspective. Or it's a government plan to undermine rights um, in a way that we know they are keen to do because the British government has already spoken about, you know, backdoors to encryption and all that kind of nonsense. Um, and is this something to facilitate that? Now, obviously, I, I can't say that it is, um, but I wonder what will what will shake out as we go through the process. It's concerning. But um, I, I I welcome John Edwards to the uh, the UK because he sounds like a, an absolute genius. I think if we stick to the broad policy of what GDPR aims to do, but we remove the cookie pop-ups, that is a world I'd be happy to live in because I broadly agree yes. with what GDPR is and aims to achieve. And I think it does a decent job of holding large companies to account not without <laughs> exception, of course, but in general, I'm in favor of it. And if we can keep something like it in play, I think that's a good idea. Um, but the cookie pop-ups, um, they are a plague. They are. Uh, they are. They, they are a stupid waste of everyone's time. Yeah. Um, and I'm all for people being able to change those settings. But you you look at the cookie pop-up settings for a lot of sites and they're not good enough. You know, it Really, you need to be able to say, accept cookies, reject cookies, and that's it. And really, I don't know why the browser companies aren't more on top of this and why there isn't some global standard. Well, I mean, I guess I know why. It's because of capitalism. But um, I would I would like it to be the case that the you know that you're able to just set your preferences in in firefox or chrome or uh, safari and say i will accept cookies to do with saving my data i will not accept any tracking cookies um and i would like to block cookies from these providers blah 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 and then that way you you know you you customize your experience you don't need to press yes or no or go through stupid settings that are incomprehensible in some cases um just to stop your data being leaked all over the internet so i would be i would welcome a sensible change but i don't think that we're going to get one and i also don't think companies are going to pull this thing from their site either i think everyone's sort of put them you know they've invested in the system now they're probably just going to leave it because it's not going to be illegal to carry on having a cookie pop-up message is it that's a very good point. And also Nick asks a good question in our live chat and says, if we remove cookie pop-ups, but the EU requires it, won't the EU say that UK companies can't trade in the EU? And uh, that's it's possible. Where, that's where it will come down um, to the negotiation and whether, it, whether the EU considers our data adequacy uh, proposal adequate. And technically, I suppose, yes, it, it, it could if it came down to it. Um, but it's high, as Ian says, it's it's very unlikely, and it's more likely that they'll come up with some kind of a system that they consider, you know, agreeable or acceptable. Um, 
in the same way that these aren't mandated in other in other parts of the world, but they still have data adequacy agreements. Yeah, it also doesn't work because if you go to, and this yeah. is something I've noticed as not a Facebook user, if you go to a Facebook page, you actually physically cannot reject the cookies. The only way to see a public Facebook page is to accept Facebook's cookies. It is a disgrace. Well, this is what uh, our new culture, sec- uh, culture secretary, uh, sorry, our new information commissioner, uh, Jonathan Edwards, um, will be tasked with doing. You can absolutely guarantee that Ian and I will be paying attention, won't we? Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm, I don't know exactly when he when he takes over. That's the, the only thing I was I was slightly missing. But certainly it's something we will be monitoring very closely. I'd like to talk about PayPal very briefly, Ian, because The Guardian wrote this week, while you were away, you know, doing nothing and getting paid to send your ass, that PayPal is to allow users in the UK to buy, hold or hodl, depending on who you are, and sell cryptocurrencies through its platform for the first time. The firm said it was going to allow customers to choose from four types of cryptocurrency, they are Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, and Bitcoin Cash. No Dogecoin for you, yeah, Inu-san. That's a shame. Indeed. And that the service would be available by, uh, via the PayPal app and its website. There'll be a crypto tab added to the platform, The Guardian continued, which shows real-time currency prices, as well as offering educational content to help answer common questions and learn more about cryptocurrencies, including potential risks, which is probably a very, very good thing, PayPal said. Now, Jose Fernandez de Ponte, um, the vice president and general manager for blockchain, crypto and digital currencies at PayPal, good job title, said the firm service could help introduce more people to the technology, how it works and help better shape the role currencies could play in the future. PayPal said the service would begin rolling out this week, so should be rolling out to people almost um, by the time you listen to this, I'm sure, and would be available to all eligible customers within a few weeks. It's also launched a similar service in the US, which lets people make purchases at participating businesses using cryptocurrency. Now, that feature is not something we've seen confirmed for the UK yet, but it does strike me that Facebook is... uh, Facebook, I'm sorry. PayPal is sort of experimenting on consumers here. Is that a fair assessment? Because it's sort of picking country by country. You know, it is regulated here. It's not a bank, but it is regulated by the FCA. Yeah. Um, and, and, and does turn over information to relevant people, as I understand it. So it's not that it's a bad place to be trialling it, but we've seen a lot of controversy over uh, over cryptocurrency, whether that's just ads getting banned on the tube uh, network for promoting uh get rich quick bi- schemes essentially yes like there's nothing inherently wrong in buying and selling crypto and that's certainly not what ian and i here to to say um well certainly not what i'm here to say no no uh, i'm i've uh, no problem with it at all if people know what they're doing but but you but but it is extremely volatile and the guarantees and the safeguards that are there um for your your for fiat currencies um are not there for for crypto so, well, I mean, yes, but only because the stability of normal currencies is more. 
I mean, you know, you're, you wouldn't be protected in uh, on PayPal if the US dollar suddenly took a nosedive and or or suddenly soared and the U, and the UK pound took a nosedive and you had a lot of US dollars in your PayPal account, you would be subject to the same sort of losses, I guess. If you thought, oh, I'll buy some dollars on PayPal and then get them back when the thing changes, you know, you could argue the same thing would be true then. So true. I don't have a massive problem with it. I think I'd, I, I mean, I'm, I don't love PayPal. I think there's a, it's a company that has numerous problems, um, um, especially for people selling stuff online. It, it, it can be a hotbed of sort of the wrong way round fraud if you want it protects consumers quite well uh but i don't think necessarily protects um uh sellers quite so well uh so mm. but you know i mean it, I, I i don't see a problem with it offering crypto i think that's a relatively straightforward and simple concept and why not i th- I, I would worry about the charges because paypal's famously you know chargey isn't it when you do stuff so it, i wonder how good a deal it's going to be when you compare it to the existing cryptocurrency dealers like coinbase and you know the others none of which i could name because i've forgotten them all yes well there are a, a number of places you can uh you know you can buy but a, a lot of those they're, they're things like etoro and Robinhood and um what else are there there's a whole bunch of these things where people trade stocks and they trade cryptocurrencies and, and all sorts of stuff and that's where a lot of people do a lot of that trading because you can you can you can buy the coin or it's not a whole coin is it let's be honest it's a it's a fraction of the coin and uh and and trade it with other people and you can essentially buy one crypto with another crypto and you know there's there's a whole big there's a whole big industry around it but paypal getting involved i think perhaps in the eyes of consumers legitimizes the currency and provides in their eyes perhaps a sense of safety or security because it's a brand they know it's a brand they may very well trust and have used for many many years um and my hope is that if people do take on this the educational side of what paypal is doing will be pretty visible and clear um and that and that customer support frankly is good because in my experience with paypal's customer support it leaves something rather to be Mm. desired you know it's very difficult to get somebody from paypal on the phone unlike with a bank um and if you are worried about crypto if you've stepped into this because paypal has promoted it to you albeit i'm sure in a perfectly reasonable way then you may very quickly need some advice that is not as forthcoming through paypal as it may be if you'd have done something through the bank i don't know i'm just hypothesizing at this point it may be absolutely fine but these are just some things to be aware of i think did you notice here that, by the way, that uh, this isn't in our script, but I just remembered it, that the contactless card payment limit's being raised again in the UK to £100. Pounds, 100 quid. <laughs> wow. So, well, it's good. I mean, it, it, I, increasingly, I'm finding that I want that, really, because although I tend to use Apple Pay, um, I and, and obviously the limits are different on Apple Pay, um, it is useful sometimes um, if you're in a place that doesn't support Apple Pay, for example, and you're just using the contactless feature, yeah. uh, it, it can be very useful indeed. So, yes, I, I, I generally support that as long as it's, you know, people are not getting ripped off, which I, I, you don't hear many stories about it, do you? So presumably it's not I mean, a huge problem. Exactly. I mean, this came up and I, I have a feeling we may have even talked about it back when the budget was announced because Rishi Sunak had announced it as part of the budget this year that it was going to increase. Um, and I think we may even have back then known it was going to be £100. But um, 
but it was a huge rise you know yeah. 40 45 pounds at the minute for for and for those of you unaware i mean i'm sure everyone's aware contactless payments on a debit or credit card you know what that is in fact it's only debit isn't it um that this applies to i think, I think well maybe not actually no it's probably credit as well because i assume if you're paying on credit card you're you're still using contactless aren't you uh, yeah and this is it so this is actually if i again I'm, I'm completely off script here but i have a funny feeling that the equivalent contactless limit in in the eu is is 45 i don't know if it's 45 euros or if it's just an, if it's just equivalent to 45 pounds but that's something that we can increase now because of brexit that we couldn't have done before i think Check i have no that, idea but i'm fairly sure that's I've, i think that's correct and um anyway so it, from october in the uk uh you will be able to contactlessly pay for things up to 100 pounds in one go uh, which is amazing given that it started out as 10 quid back in the day yeah 10 10 pounds everyone got very frightened about it but uh it's steadily increased ever since i've not heard of any one that i know personally at least getting screwed over by uh by contact no you can see how it would happen though um, oh yeah you know like if you got if you got mugged but then you know i i guess if you could just as easily have a hundred pounds on your wallet in cash uh in fact i i as by sheer coincidence i do have a hundred pounds in my wallet at the moment uh which i will take out shortly and put in a safe place ah very nice um apparently and thanks to uh was it nick who just shared this yes nick just shared a, a link to a story in uh, in our discord uh that actually said that the bbc says nearly two-thirds of all debit card transactions are made via tap and go technology two-thirds yeah so I'm no surprise there much much more convenient than yeah you know touching a horrible dirty terminal mm, i agree well um, if you're excited about this, you know where to email, you know what to do. Drop us a line or leave us a comment on Twitter at TextMessagePod. You can use hashtag whatever the hell you like. Well, Ian, it's normally at this point in the show that I tell you about Daily Tech News Show and what it's been covering this week in the wider world of tech. But they've been running Experiment Week this Ah. week. So Tom's going to tell us something a little different this time. This week on Daily Tech News Show, it was Experiment Week. We tried out new show ideas like The Tech John, a second look at the week's tech news headlines from African Americans, photography for today's users, a try at an op-ed style of tech news, Ask a Luddite, where we brought in somebody who's skeptical about tech to talk tech, in-depth report on the Pegasus Project from NSO Group, a barbecue tech special, and a gaming checkpoint with Jen Cutter. All of that and so much more on Experiment Week, dailytechnewsshow.com. And if all of that isn't enough for you, ladies and gentlemen, then I suggest you go and and check out Extra Message this week as we promoted at the top of the show. So out for our patrons, UK Tech Show. No, other one. Patreon.com forward slash UK Tech. If you want to go and listen to episode, six, I want to say 66 of Extra Message, which is all about my setup for getting 5G from the roof around the house. And of course, if you do become a patron in order to get that, you get the entire back catalogue of uh, of Extra Messi, if you will, and uh, extended will shows not. and so on um ian um it's been it's great to have you back thank you for returning from holiday 
It's a um, true pleasure to be back, actually. It's, I think we've done a nice little show. I tease you a little bit, but um, it's important to have a break. I'm glad you did, but I'm glad to have you back. Yeah, you know, I mean, you can't keep working forever, can you? And um, No. Yeah, I, I feel like I was, I spent a lot of um, August feeling extremely unwell. Um, mm. I had that tonsillitis, which was You had killer. your foot? Your foot I had my problem. weird hoof problem, um, which was <laughs> extremely upsetting. Um, that's not completely gone away. I'm still waiting for a call back after an x-ray, but um, it still feels a bit weird. But yeah, who knows? Um, and uh, so I, I felt like I definitely needed to get away because um, I haven't had a holiday for a long time. And whilst it was a family holiday with the children, uh, which means that, you know... I, that there are lots of things going on and all that kind of stuff. It still felt like a, a really nice break in a routine. So it was very excellent. Good. I'm extremely pleased, mate. And thank you to everyone listening. And um, maybe if you'd like to leave us a review, if you've not done recently, do drop us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Um, it, it, it makes such a huge difference. We talk about Patreon, but honestly, just as important is telling a friend or a colleague or a family member or leaving us a review. Honestly, it's super, super helpful. Please do it. Uh, if you enjoy the show and haven't done so yet uh, or for a while but other than that have a wonderful week everybody and Ian and I will see you next week Bye Even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50-80% to less than similar brands They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.